0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Plus
2: minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus Minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even what you <laughs> said. What'd you <laughs> say? For <laughs> Minus. Yeah, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus Minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Plus Minus. I think he got the highest Plus Minus in the season in the NBA history. Welcome to... Warriors Plus Minus, we are days away, days away from the
3: 2021 NBA Draft. We can maybe even say hours because we're at the point where we're under 100 hours. So
1: Yeah, you can say hours away. If we were doing this visually, there would be a clock in the lower right-hand corner. It would be ticking. I wish I
2: had a little button to press to make the sound effect of time ticking. But this is arguably... Nah, this is not even argument. This is the most influential Warriors draft since 2012. This is a big deal, and we're here to talk about it. I got uh, Anthony Slater, the superstar Warriors writer, Ethan Strauss, who's the superstar in his own right. Tim Kawakami is off doing 49ers things.
1: Oh, he's the biggest superstar. He doesn't even super, need to be superstar. here.
2: Superstar. Yeah, super, superstar. He's demanding the, the trade.
3: I don't know that I agree with your uh, lead in. I think last year's draft, having the number two pick, and deciding between Wiseman and LaMelo and, and how that plays out over the next five years might be more influential than this 7 and 14. I mean, if, if a big trade goes down and all of the capital is used anyways, then maybe. But I don't know that that's the case. I'm going this year because at two, can you miss really? Right.
2: You know, like either way they were getting. Potentially. Either they were mm. getting a really good player. At two, I mean, that's an epic fail. You're getting a good player at two.
1: On this one though, you could the swing at miss rate is higher. Like they they kind of got to nail it. The argument I think is that in this draft it feels as though it's championship or bust. And last last year you could have made the same argument except Clay got hurt and so that immediately took some of the wind out of the sails. Clay got hurt
3: weekend. by the way on draft night. Remember that? Yeah. That was what
1: was like that was that, insane.
3: Yeah, That was such a – it was like you were you're, – they were an hour away from, like, deciding on Wiseman, and it was like uh, Clay Thompson hurt his lower – they said lower leg in L.A. this morning. It was like, wait, what?
1: I remember that. I remember that. That was crazy. Also, looking back uh, in the more distant past, 2012, when we look back on it, uh, the most influential draft in recent Warriors history, uh, but I don't think that way it was viewed at the time because the Warriors were such a reliable failure that you just looked at it and went, yeah, they're just going to screw this up again. Like they screw up everything. There wasn't this sense of the franchise future hinges on what they do tonight. It was, let's see what they do. That was more the feeling also the franchise changed because of who they took at 35
3: not seven I mean like obviously uh, seven, was seven helped yeah. oh no oh I'm sure going in seven was the pick right when you're I, I I'm sure all the stories that you two wrote the next you know in the days after were all like Harrison Barnes focused. So you never really know. In retrospect, you know which what Ethan's saying, what drafts are actually as influential as you think. But yes, in the moment right now, there definitely does seem to be a lot riding on in the yes. next 48 hours. From that sentiment is what I was thinking, because
2: 2012, what it did have was this air of this is setting up the next few years. And this is one of the rare chances where you have two first-round picks. and. There is a lot at stake. Last last time it was after the Bogut trade had, had gone down and they had to figure out like, yo, all right, where are we going now? Monte's gone. Bogut is here. All right, let's start putting this thing together. Even though they aren't starting over, this feels like. The pieces that they're trying to get, they want them to be set in place, right? The players that they get now should be part of a core moving forward. And maybe that is informed by 2012. But this feels like they
3: can't just get dudes to put
2: on the end of the bench who might not pan out. They kind of need to nail these.
3: Kind of. The only thing I would say is like, there's a chance they use seven and fourteen. I think at this point, there's a better than, you know, fifty percent chance they're probably using seven and fourteen, and maybe like Duarte's at fourteen, and let's say Kaminga's at seven, and Kaminga's not in the road definitely not in the playoff rotation, probably as a rookie. Like maybe Duarte's playing twelve minutes, twenty minutes. I mean, maybe he's helpful. But you could argue if we're just talking about next season's championship, I mean it's probably more important what they do in free agency. If they get a Batum, yeah, you know, no, if they not, bring yeah, Baysmore more no back, like there's a chance that next, like this draft is very monumental for the next half decade, next decade. But there's a chance this doesn't what they do draft night. If they don't make a huge move, doesn't have that much of effect on like what they look like in the playoffs.
2: It won't have that immediate impact, but they won't be they won't be getting
1: this chance again. There's also the Steph component, where it feels like, okay, this is his window, he wants to win now. I think last time it was, uh, they've got such a high pick that you can't possibly expect him to deal that pick for win now, and as we said, Clay got hurt draft night, there seem to be more elements and push-pull factors in this one, there's more intrigue in this one, and... I think Steph's a patient guy. I think we can all say that he wants them. He would rather they get veteran help. He would rather they compete for a championship. And so how they manage that is also something to watch in this draft that I don't think was something to watch in the last one.
3: Well, we have the right guy on the line right now to discuss this with. Steph um, is here? Hey, no. w- is here? <laughs> oh, that would be terrific. But, you know, we have the next best thing, uh, Marcus Thompson. I should call um, him, up uh, b- Because when see, we talk answer. about like veteran, I mean, obviously Bradley Beale's the name. He's the name to watch over the next 48 hours with this, like somewhat of a hint that he's maybe possibly thinking about asking out and like, I don't know. In history, when when guys are somewhat nudging out to the public that they're thinking about it, usually that doesn't mean it's going in a great direction with their current franchise. He only has one year of team control left. If I'm the Wizards at this point, I think they should rebuild. I don't even think I'd need a trade request if I was running the Wizards, but you know, that's here or there. Just lay out the Bradley Beal situation as we're talking on Tuesday morning.
2: The foremost thing that matters about this Bradley Beal situation, I think that is revealed in their desire to get somebody, is not just that they want a veteran, they want somebody else who can create offense, who can carry an offense. I think the Bradley Bill thing is about what happens if Clay needs more time. Like who creates if Steph misses nine games or 10 games next year? And that was the difference this year, right? Like they went two and seven, they do better in those games. They're not even in the play-in potentially. So I do think it's about Who else can carry a load and take some of it off of Steph? So I don't think it's just any veteran. I do think that's why they're not like pining to get a Pascal Siakam, right? Like, even though he might be a nice player, nice feeling, he doesn't solve that problem for you. He doesn't make you say, here, take the reins, Pascal. We're not going to panic while Steph sits for six minutes, (laughs) right? Like, so I do think it's, it's more about getting a player who can really kinda take over games. I know they wanted Wiggins to be that, but that's clearly not his thing, right? Like it's not his it's not the thing you want to rely on from him.
3: It's funny you say that. Not only do they want Wiggins to be that guy, there were like a few games last season where he was i remember an early game in detroit where he scored like 16 in the fourth and there were a few other games where fourth quarter came and he's you know extended the lead with like eight straight points and you will never see draymond react more on the bench than he did in those games it was like yes like that's exactly what we've needed but like you said it's it's once every nine games or something like that
1: i liked anthony's description of wiggins uh, in his last article a capable placeholder that's andrew wiggins a capable placeholder and in a way that's a win that's maybe even better than the expectations when they got him. but that is what you expect capable place holding it's not going to necessarily swing you into contention none of this happens unless bill tells the wizards i want out like so there, the first thing has
2: happened is bill has to say yes i want out and that's a decision that he's reportedly supposed to make before the draft and then he has to say I want to go to the Warriors or give the Wizards a list of teams that he's willing to re-sign with.
3: Not just re-sign. I think extend before he even hits free agency. Here's a list of
2: teams he's willing to sign a contract extension with to basically nail down who the trade partners is. And one of those have to be the Warriors. But I also think there's another layer of how much is it going to cost. I don't think they'd be willing to give up everything for Bradley Beal. I think the deal would have to be right. And even like you know, the biggest proponents would be like, hold on, that's too much. I don't think a deal with Wiseman and Pool and Picks and Wiggins. I think they'd rather just run it back. But if you just start looking at the landscape of players who could kind of fill this one void of another playmaker, creator, like Bradley Beal is probably at the top of the list, Damian Lillard is at the top of the list. So I think that's just a matter of them looking at the landscape and saying, who could most help us? But I don't think that's the only path and sometimes I wonder if the need for a creator embellishes the need for a star right like they need another guy who can make you feel comfortable with Steph sitting those six minutes or when he's bringing up a half court to play a game or, or you're okay with the defense saying yeah we're gonna double team Steph at half court because you got another guy who you feel good with I feel like if they just get a guy who's good enough to be that guy, it doesn't have to be a Bradley Bill. And they probably won't get it in the draft, but they might be able to get it in free agency. Or it might be
1: Jordan Poole. Right, Either I wouldn't put a cap on that. I remember last season, I said, boldly, I might add, that I thought he was their most talented offensive player outside of Steph, or most skilled offensive player outside of Steph. And I caught some blowback, guys. I caught some blowback. I, I caught some guff, as they might say because I said it early in the season, but I think at this point that was true, and I'll give myself a pat on the back, and it won't necessarily salve the wounds of underestimating LaMelo Ball, but, you know, it's something. I love Jordan Poole's game. I don't necessarily think he'll be what we saw in the Seattle Pro-Am video that Slater posted in his article against guys who are shorter than he is, but the skill level is incredible. Uh He competes. I, I like that he got... He got battle-tested a bit in games that matter down the stretch and is an excellent compliment. I think it'd be crazy to say, oh, he'll be better than Bradley Beal, but could he turn into 80% of Beal, 90%? In terms of impact, that's not inconceivable. I see, like McCollum, like where could could he get anywhere near like a CJ McCollum? Maybe the answer is no, but I do think though, if he if, is, isn't that the answer? Like you good, right? I think he could, and that doesn't mean that I think he will, because those are two different things. You say something like that, people go, "You thought he was going to be the next CJ?" Like no, I think it's it's a possibility. I just wouldn't want to sell short on him. I like his game a lot, and the Beal thing to me feels weird. Does it feel weird to you guys? Like it's not. The perfect fit i get it he's a top 15 player he's very very good but it almost feels like they're just doing something to do it that they're going oh my god we got to get on the timeline oh my god we need to win now we need a star let's get this guy who is in some ways overlapping and what he does with steph and with clay i mean if they do it i have to say i come to the conclusion that maybe some of what they're hearing about clay is not so great because otherwise it, it just doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense to me.
3: The argument for the Beale trade would be you are fifteen percent closer to a title next season. I do think like having Bradley Beale on the roster as much as there's potentially an overlap would make you better than having. Wiggins, Wiseman, two rookies on the roster next season. I, you know, I think you've got to be creative coaching wise. I think you know Ron Adams and the defensive staff would have to come up with some stuff. But you know, you saw it in the playoffs. You know, Clippers were putting three guard lineups out there at times and having a lot of success. There's teams now that'll go no centers pretty much for like the entire time. Like you can win different ways in the modern NBA. And I do think Beal just like gets you closer to a title next season. Now, is that worth? burning the the entire bridge to the future that's where the argument comes in but i think they're better with Beal next
1: season would you i mean like do you think they're not as good a team i think the ceiling is higher i think that much is true and they were not great offensively last season so that would help a tremendous amount but i also wouldn't be shocked if they make these moves and they get them and then we look at it and we go ooh this didn't actually this didn't actually vault them anywhere special just because because of the overlap, so gun to my head, are they better? I would say yes. Yeah,
3: what you're saying is there's probably more risk than is being, you know, let on. It's not as much of just like a home run fit,
1: wild, like immediate favorites in the West, like hand them one of the next two to three titles. It's not getting Giannis. It's not getting. I mean, of, I mean, not getting Giannis for various reasons with him just being the superstar of the playoffs. But I'm just I'm talking about like. LeBron getting Anthony Davis where it's oh yes that's that fits that's the thing you didn't have and now you have it to pair with the thing you do have that's that's not really what Bradley Beal is for them
3: I think he's more of a fit than Lillard even I mean Lillard obviously is, is considered a higher level star I think there's a bit more defense and I and I've talked to people, you know, within the Warriors that like he has some defensive tools. He's a little bit stronger than you think. He's like 6'3 6'4, but remember early in his career like he was considered like a pretty good defender. Now, I think just Washington's situation Uh, and uh, his just like scoring prowess made it, so he kind of stopped caring about defense as much. But I think if he cared about defense, I do think he could be a bit better of a defender than maybe he's been the last few years.
2: I think the issue, though, is who is he guarding, right? And if you're getting him and you're not putting clay on the point guards, you know, because it's probably not the best thing for his Achilles, is Bradley Beal the guy you got chasing around point guards? Is can he do that and how much does that cost his office? That's my only question. I do think there's a bit of Bradley Beal's best friend, Kent bazemore's
3: out there locking people up.
4: I
2: mean, that's four guards. <laughs>
3: yeah, bazemore's a wing, Bazemore's a wing. Uh, hey, you tough. could, by the way, if this Beal thing comes to fruition, like they would have to play small, they would just be a really small team now. You like. I'm telling you, the Clippers were were doing in like the West Finals, we're having lineups with Patrick, Beverly, Terrence, Mann, Reggie Jackson out there. You know, you can do weird stuff in the modern NBA. You really can, but they would have to commit to that type of style, which I think they'd be okay with. I mean, if you make that trade, you are committing to that type of style. If you're yeah, you're definitely committing
2: small. I think the presumption is the Warriors would, would be, their a team that were right where they were last year, right? Like in a play in tournament, seventh best team in the West, what gets them over the hump? You add Beal, there's no question. They're just better. They're a better team. And now you're, you got to think of Beal as the piece in the playoffs, right? And the people who are, who want this to happen, the those who want to win a championship, they're thinking about the championship. They're thinking about like Western Conference Finals what are you gonna see as a defense and how do you counter it that's where bill pay that's where the bill payoff is now the question becomes in order to get to that moment do you have enough if you sacrifice the team defense the individual
3: defense size right like if you give that up this is where this is the reason i don't think there's going to be a trade because like we could sit here and go like they'd miss Wiggins like they would miss Andrew Wiggins defense like Andrew Wiggins provides value to them that on the trade market suddenly if you just put him in the trade market teams don't they're like oh that contract like that makes the package a little bit worse we'll take the contract because you got to match salary and to me it's the same with pool you know we're talking about where the organization believes pool's career might be going and where we kind of all are like you know hm, those last like 15 games really started to like show something not and i'm not just talking all oh, the front office things it's like steph curry and draymond green are like believe in jordan pool now and like i feel like all wiseman another one he's kind of a depressed asset on the market internally they're like i still think it might be going somewhere very good in the next like three years i think the value of the assets they have. They view it a much more positively than the league views it. And Wiggins is the greatest example of just like, you know, they would miss Andrew Wiggins' wing defense next season. Yet, if they take that out there, they can't tell an opposing team, hey, you know, come get Andrew Wiggins' wing defense. That's what, like, affects (laughs) the trade.
2: You sure they can't? That would be great. Put that in the video, huh? I'm sure they can slice up the video. And, like, yo, watch this rotation here. He
3: got two votes for second team All NBA defense. <laughs> Look at
4: this.
2: So,
3: uh, Onto the draft because they're going to make these picks. Well, right? hold on, hold on, hold on. I wanted to like. Are there any other trade? Like, free. Let's say Beals off the table.
1: Why do we think they're going to make these picks? By the way, like, is it because Joe? Is it because Joe is so committed to making the picks and loves the that's draft one of so the much? Reasons. Because a lot. I, because everybody else, everybody else in the league is looking at the situation and going, "What the hell are they doing?" I don't think they want to trade Weissman.
2: <laughs> like, and that's and when you really think about it. Like, the next guy who you'd want on this roster is Jordan Poole. I don't think they want to trade Jordan Poole either. And at that point, what do you have? I don't think they make the trade because the pieces they want to give up, like, how valuable are they really? Like, Slater just got through saying Wiggins is just not – he's more
1: valuable to the Warriors than he is to the rest of the league. And their coaching hires might be a tell in this whole thing. Just as we're saying, it might be a tell about Klay Thompson if they try to get Beal. It might be a tell that they're making the picks, that they make all these coaching shakeups behind the scenes and it's no no really development we need to do development we need to hire these guys for development that might be an indication that hey this is the only way it's going to work unless something wows us that we don't really see coming we're doing it through the young guys which i mean we'll we'll see we'll see It puts more
3: of a spotlight on them next season, but I do think there is a belief like they can contend with what they have. I mean, and and when I say what they have, that includes... Like, they're probably going to go veteran with the 14th pick. And, and they believe that, like, they will get, like, rotation helpers in, you know, next week in free agency. I We all know how free agency works. They may have indications behind the scenes right now, like
1: Batum's like, yeah, I'm coming, or, you know, something they like that. They had him last year, Nick Clay. Yeah. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Clay better not, you know, get injured on draft night again.
1: By the way, that was, as an aside, a little weird when, when Bob was talking in the, uh, press conference, the pre-draft press conference. And he was talking about how clay is the most uninvolved, which, and he had to kind of temper it a bit with, we love clay and you know, what's clay doing? I mean, I don't know. I think he's in LA and I was thinking we still like him. like, we still love him. Like, well, like, what was that qualifier? <laughs> it was, well, uh, it's another situation. It seems where he's not completely around just like last time, which I will step in and say he has been around a ton more this. You know, yeah, he keeps, this is he, off season, man. Yeah,
2: well, yeah.
3: yeah. Well, 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 He and he's been taking the boat. He lives. You know, I don't want to like say exactly where he lives, but he lives somewhere where he can get to water quickly, and he has a boat. Clearly, that he's put on. Uh, you know, social media, and he has spent a lot of this off season taking the boat across the bay and working out. They
1: say he's been in the facility a lot more. That's positive, and that that's good. And uh, you just hope that they're. I don't know having more of a plan uh with both sides being in on it than, than last season with what happened and so hey if if they're both on the same page in that respect that's great it was just it was just odd it was odd it was also odd that Bob <laughs> mentioned having traded him over 300 times in his uh, in his third season which it was a loose Bob it was loose Bob Myers press conference it was which not I tight-lipped. which I don't
2: mind no. uh- give me more loose Bob
3: you know, I know Clay was in the – he was at the workout where uh, it was Moody, Davion Mitchell, Jalen Johnson that day when those guys came in, Kai Jones. He was there that day, and, you know, he, like, took Wiseman out on his boat and stuff. He is more involved than he's been. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, about – you know, we talk about maybe more trades on the margins. You know, Indiana, who's at sitting at 13, has been rumored uh, as a team that, that's aggressive. You know, and they have kind of those, like, mid-tier vets, the Miles Turners, the TJ Warrens that maybe there's, like, pitch. Six swaps plus you flip some veterans or Memphis who just moved up to ten apparently is like trying to maybe move up again a little bit. Could you do something with seven and ten and get brought Brandon Clark or something like that? Is there anything out there that you guys see as like a mid-level move that's not the big home run? You don't give up all the assets, but
1: maybe would help. It's not even a Siakam. It's 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 less than that. It's
3: uh hmm. Miles Turner's the name that's out there a bunch.
1: I feel like move back is
2: gonna be in play. Part of the reason there are people who are like, yo, trade the picks, is just because with the minimum deal and with the taxpayer mid-level, man, that's a tough thing to bank on to get what you need, right? Like, so if you're picking young players who might not contribute, you're down to basically finding somebody to take less money. It's just a tough prospect. If they get to the situation where Jonathan Kaminga falls to seven, It might be another way to pick up, you know, some middle like middling veteran help by moving back, right? To get back to a ten, like I mean, even if you if you get like a Brandon Clark, oh, you know, you take that in a heartbeat. But if you're a seven and you find there's a lot of people who want Kaminga, and if the Warriors don't want him because of what he, you know, he he he's not ready to contribute, to me, that's where you could drop back to ten. And try to pick up a player that feels like the most realistic,
1: like move to me is doing that. I think they could definitely use a stretch, stretch five just for lineup versatility. And so, I mean, I know Aaron Baines had a bad season last season, but maybe that type of guy. Is Aaron
2: Baines allowed in, uh Chase after breaking Steph's hand.
1: Uh, that's a very good. It's a very good point. That might not be the guy to go. Well,
3: with. no, that's a, they went after him in free agency last year, so. The answer to your question is yes, he is allowed because they tried to sign him.
1: He had a bad season though in Toronto. He did, which might be by low, I don't know. But that type of that type of player just because Draymond obviously has had the shooting issues, you don't want to necessarily play him at the 5 too much. His fit with Wiseman isn't so great. Hell, I might want to just experiment like crazy and go Wiseman that type of player i have no idea i like
3: Alinic for them now i don't know Alinic had a good close after he was basically a throw in for in the oladipo trade he kind of had a good close for houston and maybe he gets too much but if they could get him like taxpayer mid-level or below talk about a stretch big who's tougher defensively than than people think uh, i like him we will be
0: right back after a quick word from our sponsors
3: Can I throw a trade out there that will get zero fans excited, but I think could be a nice little asset play? Let's say it is Kaminga who falls at seven, which, by the way, we, we should get to like the book night Kaminga 6-7 because that is the swing of the draft. But Memphis at 10... Has the Warriors 2024 first round pick because they had to move off Andre Iguodala so quickly to execute the D'Angelo Russell sign in trade that's led to Wiggins and the seventh pick, ironically. If Memphis loves somebody so much at seven, and if the Warriors believe they can go back to 10, let's say, and get Moses Moody, who I know they like. You could just flip 7 and 10 and take back your 2024 first rounder maybe. I mean, like, that would set up your cupboard of assets a lot better because you, you got you don't have to worry about the step in rule and not being able to trade 2025 and 2023 then. I think that's, again, that's not something that would help next year's rotation, but that's just, like, something I've been looking at. Like, could they maybe get their first rounder back and just move back a couple spots?
2: Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. The question is, what – what is that pick? Was it what? What's it a, ten
3: compared to seven?
2: No, what's what's the twenty-four pick they giving up? It could be great, right? Could, no, no, no. They, they, they would they be. Could, they're not giving up. A 24 I mean, getting pick. back. I'm saying getting back. If Memphis is really good, they're basically just no. You're not getting Adler's. Memphis
3: pick. You're getting your own pick back. Oh, you talking about the pick from Iguodala? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. But, but, but said, the point I'm,
2: is, the point is, like, if they're really good, what is that? So, you know, I know in the NFL, they have like the values on the picks, right? So, you know, like in order to jump three spots, you need this and this. So you wonder if it's a, if it's a, 10 and 28 does that get you up to seven is that a good value pick or is it just enough to get your own pick back
3: i think one of the things it does is it gets you back to like having all your first round picks where if you do make a big swing at the deadline you have all your picks you know you have all your picks anyway uh that's just something i've thought about now that i've seen memphis maybe trying to move up and that's only if you're like look they don't really want They and all their intel tells the moody will be there at 10 you're going to get the guy you want, anyways. Now, suddenly, you have your first round pick back. I don't know. I don't even know if Memphis would be interested in that. Maybe they love that Warriors pick. Before we get to actually the draft prospects and what might happen, any other trades or anything out there that you guys are interested in?
2: Nah. I don't like these trades this time of year.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk 6 7. Uh, you know, Book Night went out to Oklahoma City and had dinner with Sam Presti, and I don't know. I'm assuming Sam Presley probably we didn't want that out there, but James Booknight is a very good interview and put that out there himself. You know, the Thunder's interested in, in Booknight at six, clearly, if they use that pick. That is what would bring Kaminga to seven and, and juice up the Warriors' potential trade offers. But at the same time, if you guys are making the pick, would you want Kaminga to go six, so Booknight is there at seven? Because the Warriors also have shown a bunch of interest Kind of like some hidden interest in Booknight. Almost like they're trying to, you know, mask it a little bit, which which is a hint. What do you think about that little area of the draft, and, and who do you like more, Ethan? Does Booknight
1: fit the uh, Killian Hayes profile? I mean, that's the thing with Booknight is some of these stats you worry about them, but we're off stats now, right? So I don't know. You got to give me the scout steak. You got hey, give he me he, any... he
3: played baseball growing up. He's from the Bronx. I mean, I don't know. Like, is that good sign? You know, multi-sport athlete. Five-tool player, you think? He's got the five tools? He's, He's a got, good interview.
1: Yeah. I, I like him as an interview. Why did he shoot less than 30% on
3: threes? Uh, he had a wrist injury. That was that was mentioned in his uh, Ooh, media little day little
1: essay. A ja- little, little, little Jacob Evans flashback. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. That's what they said about Jacob Evans um, and the, the lack of assists. I guess, what's the affirmative case for Booknight? That's what I want to know because Kuminga, I know that there were some whispers, some rumblings that... People didn't like how he handled the G League bubble. That might be good intel, but at the same time, I do wonder if that's the best uh, environment to judge a, a young player. It just seems like the upside of a Kaminga, where he was before, as you were saying, Anthony, that there was the thinking that the Warriors would have no shot at him because of the, the pick protection, that he would fall into there. So that's why I'm more excited about Kaminga, but what's the affirmative case for Booknight? That's what I'm wondering. Marcus, deliver it somebody who could create a shot,
2: <laughs> especially somebody who can get to the rim. Like that's the case. They need players who do not need Stephen Curry to be able to get an open look. They are desperate for those players. And a couple years, especially as you don't want to put this load on Steph, you know, if when he's 35, 36 years old, those type of players will be valuable. Second unit players, especially, but guys you could put with Steph. You just can't have one dude creating all of the offense year in and year out. And that's not saying he's going to score all the points, but somebody you can put the ball in their hands and say, go get a bucket. They just need, they need guys like that. They don't have that. And until Draymond finds his offense, that, that becomes a major, major need. For them so that that's the case for book night i was told by one uh warriors exec that they value players who can shoot and dribble like in the playoffs the ability to shoot and handle becomes
1: very important sounds very bob myers
3: he's trying to out your source yeah it was
1: but man no oh, no i'm just saying wow. it sounds like a very bob myers philosophy i'm not giving <laughs> you the whole that it's bob <laughs> oh, Myers, it's really but pretty,
2: i mean it's, it's from his staff so i would imagine he hires people who shares his philosophy but uh Players who can shoot and dribble in the playoffs matter, right? Book night would fit that mode. Like They need somebody who can create offense.
1: Reggie Jackson came up big in the playoffs. Huge. You Huge. Know, to go with that kind of thinking.
3: And it wasn't the first time. A, I saw a young Reggie Jackson. This is important because we're talking about young guys making an impact in their first three years. I saw a young Reggie Jackson win a playoff game in the grit and grime Memphis
1: arena. Maybe this means absolutely nothing, but it would be interesting if... Uh, Book Knight was taken, I mean, not over Kaminga, but the idea that we're comparing them. Book Knight 2019, his RSCI top 100 ranking. That's how they rank all the, the high school players coming in. 72. Kaminga 2020 RSCI ranking, four. So that's, as far as pedigree goes, that's quite the chasm. That only matters if you have the choice between the two, right?
3: They won't have the choice between the two. Which though. you're right is they don't. The team that has the choice between the two is Sam Pressy. And what's interesting is, I mean, Sam Pressy historically has been a great drafter, right? He is going to decide which one he thinks is a better prospect, and you have to get the one that isn't. So that's interesting.
2: The question is, Knight goes six, and Kaminga falls to you at seven. Do you take the best player in the draft, or do you take the guy who fits you best in Moses Moody? That's the question of the draft, and if so, like once you decide that, once you make that decision, now comes into play. Well, do we take Moody here? Do we move back? What's at play? But that's when the phone's gonna ring, right? When well, not, That's not
3: when the phone's gonna ring. The phone's well, already yeah, ringing. I yeah, thought yeah. the the most transparent part of Bob Myers' press yes. yesterday was two forty five. Yes, when he was saying that. And then, you know, Tim, who had, uh, you know, he's not on here, but he asked a couple of good questions that were kind of pointed and within the middle of Bob saying basically, hey, I, as of now, I think we're making the pick, but that can always change. And then he said, are some trades dependent on who's on the clock at seven? Basically, like maybe a team's already lining it up saying, we'll make this trade, but only if Jonathan Kaminga is there at seven. And there's no way for the Warriors to know that at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I. I think that maybe the best thing that can happen for them is, is Book night going sixth because what it might open up. The options might open up. That to me is gonna be the, the decision
2: of the draft. Like if if this thing is shaken out, do they just take the best player with the highest ceiling available to them? Or do they go with The win-now approach, and do they take one of the trades? Do they get the guy who fits best? Because if Kamiga ends up at 7th, there's going to be a reason, right? And I'd want to know what that reason is. If it's everybody saying above them, like, we don't want to wait for them, I mean, I get that, but... I'd wanna know why he's at seven because his his hype and his talent doesn't say number seven.
3: They've spent the last three weeks, you know, searching for their reasoning and they went out and they they privately worked him out. They went out to dinner with him in Miami. Like the one thing that's helped them, and I, I think I said this on the last podcast, they've known for a few weeks, and Kaminga's clearly known for a few weeks, that falling to seven is a possibility. And that's given them a chance to prep where you know there are some draft nights where you have no idea the guy's gonna fall, and then suddenly you have two minutes and maybe you haven't done the prep
1: work and you're like, Why is this guy? here but they've done the prep work it's also interesting that myers and i think he was being honest i don't think he was being coy indicated that trading up just doesn't seem to be a plausible scenario and maybe less so because of what the warriors want more that these other teams might have it locked in that this is a this is a five player draft or who knows what it just seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of hunger being conveyed in the myers press conference to that possibility yeah he basically
3: said no when I asked him about that,
1: um, which, you know, not only that, I does, think that, it, does
2: that sound like they're saying we're not trading Wiseman. So that's why we can't move
1: up.
3: I feel like that's how you're reading it. And and I mean. <laughs>
1: clearly, right? <laughs> Is there anybody on the list where you're looking, you're going maybe if they can do it, maybe they should think about it. Maybe they should take a shot. I mean, I'll tell you the guy that kind of pops into my mind and it runs totally counter to what I'm saying about Bradley Beal. But I think well, maybe you take a shot at, at at Green if you can get him. You know, maybe, maybe he just seems to have that superstar. It just potential. seems
3: like he's not only is he two, but there's like buzz over the last forty eight hours that he was like so impressive to the Pistons that there's that a chance. They're now, that, yeah, yeah, taking their pick. So Green is, yeah. just, I just think he's he's unreachable. I think the only guy you could
1: maybe maybe reach is Suggs. Yeah, you don't think you could start a. I don't know, throwing some some cash to broke Tillman Fertitta behind the scenes, you know, maybe navigate a little bit of skullduggery in some way. You could, you couldn't crypto. do that. Crypto, crypto, crypto to Tilly, you can't do that. That's something you can't do. I'm just glad that we got a Tillman Fertitta reference. Oh, it, we were overdue it's for it. has been too long. It's We've been at least like the four episodes. Tillman. We yes. win
3: it right drink, now. Drink, drink, everyone drunk for the draft.
2: So, uh, yeah, by the way, did you see Jordan Poole at the Jamal Crawford Pro Am? There you go. We got the Jamal Crawford referencing. Yeah, and I believe Andrew Bogut,
3: uh, <laughs> podcasted about it. <laughs> How about David Lee? We need a David <laughs> Lee. We need, we see need a David Lee. Where's TK? So,
2: if you could move, I don't know. I guess it was a hypo, but you, you figure Memphis wants to get up again, right? If that's possible, why isn't Seven and 14, possible. It just feels weird that Bob is saying you mean seven and 14 to jump up to jump up two spots,
1: three spots. All they got to do is get to four, right? Yeah, well, you say that. I think one of the problems is I think, I think, I think Raymond Ritter coached Bob on, on how to talk right there. Sorry, we're just doing all the references. We got to get them all in. There you go. Maybe David, like, maybe
3: this, uh, anyway. Um, I
1: think the, um, did you hear that little is, bit of Raymond Ritter, Ethan? Did
3: you hear his... Yeah. <laughs> 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 the problem is the Magic have 5 and 8, and the Thunder have six, sixteen, and 18, and like every future first-round pick that you could ask for. So, like, there's teams with better ammo than 7 and 14. I mean, but like
2: 6, you can go up to 6. Oklahoma with City, the Thunder? Oklahoma City love do they picks. need... Yeah, (laughs) so so you're saying
3: I would not give up seven and fourteen for six.
2: No, I wouldn't. But like, I just it just feels weird that he's like, yeah, we can't move up. My take on it, my guess is people are saying, you well, you do have something we want. Right, James Wiseman. <laughs> well, yeah. we're not we're not giving it up. So seven and fourteen isn't getting any action. Is what it sounds like he said. Yeah,
1: I, I would agree with that. Here's a question: at, at what point is seven and fourteen worth a spot? You know, at five, do you think seven and fourteen is worth five? Do you, think do you like score? Scotty
3: Barnes? I'm I'm more down on Scotty Barnes than most people. Just his, I just don't see his offense.
1: He seems high variance. He seems like it's gonna be uh, he's gonna be incredible or just not really fit because of the. Uh, the issues of the shot. But a lot of people, Suggs is somebody that a lot of people love, you know, maybe maybe for four. I mean, I don't know. That's it. I'd an give up those two here. picks for Suggs. I would, I, would. Too. I just don't think that's I wouldn't do be it available. outside of that.
3: I wouldn't do it outside of that.
1: So four. So seven and fourteen is worth a move up to four in your estimation. I agree. Especially if you can get up to four before the draft,
2: and now you can dangle four and wiseman. And go get Anthony
3: Slater's guy. You're you're, you're trying to find a path to Kate Cunningham.
1: (laughs) Somehow trying to find a path to Kate Cunningham.
2: I'm the only one. Am I the only one who still likes Kate Cunningham? I bet.
1: Kate Cunningham, man, it seems like nobody. He went from incredibly hyped, number one pick, presumed, and still in that slot. And yet it just seems like nobody's that excited. Like nobody's talking.
3: I would say Cade Cunningham is considered the top pick in a, in a top part of a draft that is considered like, you know, once in a decade. But the problem is Cade Cunningham is not once in a decade. Kate Cunningham is not Zion. He's not LeBron. I mean maybe he becomes that and you know I'm an Oklahoma State grab maybe maybe I'm judging him too harshly because he only got us to didn't even get us to the sweet 16 Unbelievable. but um, I I shouldn't be doing this I I should be really hyping him up but you know what I mean like I think about this about the top level of the draft do you see anyone in those top four they'll all I think become very good players do you see any of those four becoming league changing talents Like, top five in the league, number ones on title teams. I don't even think there's a number one on a title team up there. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I think maybe Mobley, but you've got these other guys coming down the pike. These big guys, they're making these days, man. I mean, you might really impress. You mean at the big man factory? At the big man factory, whether it's old Chet Holmgren or, and I cannot pronounce his name out of France. We struggled with this last time on the podcast. Like, I'm scared to even, I'm, I'm scared, scared to even weird. try
3: Just You've already
1: labeled who you're talking Win about. Wimba man. Wimba oh, There we
3: go. There we
1: go. Nicely done. So... I thought a little bit mobly, but then I thought, but man, these at the big man factory, they're coming out with the like with the iPhones, with the eleven, the twelve, then the thirteen. You know, you might be overtaken even if you impress. So so I don't know. I don't have confidence necessarily that one of these guys is going to become a Giannis level impact player, finals MVP, but yet it seems like there's a lot of talent.
3: I'm writing about the 14th pick today because I actually think the fourteenth pick might be more influential on next season's roster than the seven it's a little bit it's a much higher higher leverage version of when they took jordan pool at 28 and eric pascal at 41 you don't have to mention you know alan Smiley each went 39 but <laughs> hey, there's another drink reference we got we got him in there but, oh my god but you know pascal was more ready as a rookie clearly uh, and now Poole is better But I think in year one, who they get at 14 might matter more than who they get at seven if we're just talking about like winning games. I think Davion Mitchell might fall to 14, which that's becoming an increasing possibility, which, which should interest them. Duarte, obviously, there's a high level of interest. Trey Murphy has caught their attention as just like a pure 3 and D
1: guy. Intrigued by him. Very intrigued by him.
3: Is there anybody else? Or, like, what do you – I mean, I, the other one, and I'll mention quickly, yes, Kispert. Uh, You know, I could see him just 13 off the bench per game and and just hitting 153s as a rookie. And, and yes, getting played off the floor potentially in the West Finals. But, man, he could help you win some regular season games. So, y'all not going to mention Keon Johnson? Cold-blooded. I mean, that's a project. I'm not sure they want a project at 14. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Here's a question, because when I look at a guy, I look at a guy like uh, Trey Murphy, I think to myself, you know, Sadiq Bey kind of impressed, didn't he? You know, wasn't he sort of one of the more positive draft stories? Maybe that's that's something to think about for that sort of prototype of a shooter, of a shooter of that size. Uh, So I just look at it at this point of the draft. I don't have much confidence in this guy's going to be good. This guy's not going to be good. I look at it more as I'm excited. I'm keyed in. I'm interested If they got Trey Murphy, I'd be pretty interested. I'd go, okay, I'm excited to see how that works out. He's very
2: intriguing as a prospect. I I do think if Davion Mitchell is there, that's the pick. (laughs) And they will have a party about it. And
3: they'll fist pump. I mean, that's great value at 14. There
2: will definitely be a party about it. The interesting part is if somehow they end up choosing between Trey Murphy and Chris Duarte. That, to me, would be interesting because now, like... We'll find out how much size matters to them and experience, right?
3: You know what else we'll find out, Marcus, as you've been saying today, we'll find out how much, you know, an ability to go get your own shot matters because Trey Murphy, like you said, taller, a little bit younger, probably a, a little bit purer of a just like a catch and shoot guy, but Chris Duarte can go get go his get a, shot. a lot right. more than Murphy can go get his.
2: If this dude is not going to be better than Jordan Poole, like at any point, then you're probably better off filling another need.
1: True or false, question of fear. The Warriors draft a player in this draft who turns out to be better than Jordan Poole.
3: This is a Booknight or Poole question.
1: I don't think they're drafted book Night so.
3: <laughs> so this is a Kuminga or a pool question. This is a Moses Moody or pool question.
2: My thing is Poole has what is just so, what's most valued in NBA. I don't see anybody being able to shoot like Jordan Poole, and that makes his valuable incredibly better. He shot shoot 35% from the field last year, and it feels like. From three, you're, you're From three, about. yeah, I'm sorry, 40, 43% from three. But it feels like it was better than that, right? It just feels like he was a more reliable shooter than that. And I feel like that's a, I don't know if, if like you said, Book Night, man, that form looks like there's something there. But if Kaminga could ever shoot anywhere near Poole, he's going to be a superstar. And that's what I feel like if the guys we're talking about end up being shooters, it's it's over. I just don't know that you can you can kind of bank on that.
3: I wanted to ask you guys about uh, about one more player, uh, Josh Giddy. Do you have any deeper takes on Giddy as a fit?
1: I was just watching some highlights of him. It's interesting because statistically there are some similarities to what LaMelo did and, you know, uh, obviously coming out of Australia, the NBL, that's an easy parallel to make, but I have no idea if this means anything. He just moves so much differently than Lamelo. He's very compact, and I'm not saying that that, that puts anything on his ceiling, but it's just it's not that loose kind of rhythm rhythm dribble that Lamelo has. It's a very different aesthetic approach and you know like maybe somebody has any any other kind of take on what that means but I just found that interesting where I I was watching it and going okay how are these guys different that was the first thing that at least stood out to me it seems like that would be a little bit risky there isn't really the proven shot but that is another player where I'm intrigued if they get that guy I'm very intrigued the level of craftiness to me is
2: appealing (laughs) right like I feel like giddy is a guy who's going to figure out a way to be effective because like he's going to craft his way in that very international style of play you know joe ingles comes to mind like the guy who's not gonna have all of the tools but they're just crafty enough and got good enough handle and think the game well enough and shoot well enough to kind of make stuff happen and we could agree like You know, that ability, right? The was 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 what was lacking, right? They had a lot of players who just couldn't intuitively kind of create on the fly. I I like that injury. I don't know if I'd take him. If he he ain't making it to fourteen. No, no, I don't think. Yeah, I was gonna say if he's at fourteen you gotta take him but
3: I mean but you know we there's all these possibilities of like these trade downs we're talking about where maybe you move down to 10 like I said with Memphis and and then suddenly that's when I think you know you're more in his ballpark. I would be I would be pretty shocked if they got him at 7.
1: I like the idea of him in transition with Steph. I like the idea of him pushing the ball with Steph. I think that in the half court I've got some concerns about I've got some concerns about Getty and that could be a, that could be a problem but it just seems like It seems like he could immediately do something to their transition attack. If he's productive enough and can shoot well enough, be good enough around the rim for them. And that's one way I could see him making an impact early versus maybe some of these other guys where you have to wait for them to really develop.
3: I saw some podcast clip out of Australia where Luke Longley was like, I've been calling Steve Kerr every day. And I'm not, I'm not going to do an Australian accent, but it was in an Australian accent. He was like, I've been calling Steve Kerr every day, telling him, like, Giddy's the guy, Giddy's the guy. I just thought that was interesting.
1: That's a good sign. I mean, it might mean nothing, but it, look, if he was saying the opposite, then that'd be a bit of a red flag, right? Yeah, okay, okay. Again, that's another guy where at I this you, level Luke. of the draft. Luke Longley using his championship pool on there behalf of the- <laughs> I mean, that's the, this is, again, how I think about it. I, I, I can't tell you who at this level of the draft is going to be good, but I just have the guys where I go, okay. I'm excited. I'm hey, we gotta excited. get this
2: hesitant pump faking <laughs>
1: version of draft. It you don't, you don't like, like. You don't like I Carl mean, you Landry. You
2: every statement, you just like, man. Killian Hayes really got this dude shook, later. Like,
1: I feel like I'm Carl Landry right now. I'm just down there. I'm just pump, pump. I'm loony. That's what I am. I'm loony right oh, now with no. the takes. I'm loony. Like,
2: man, dude, let it go. What you mean? Like, are you all
1: right, Killian. I'm just being real. I'm talking about how I think about it at this level of the draft. It's one of who am I? Who am I excited for? Who am I not excited for? And giddy, I'd be ex, I'd be giddy for getting. Can you fall in love with somebody, please? Like, and you know, <laughs> can you can you fall in love with somebody? That is a big question.
3: Yeah, that's a life question right there.
1: I mean, well, the life one. He's already got that.
2: Shout out to Ali. Ah, uh,
4: yes.
1: You <laughs> go.
2: Um,
3: anything else that
2: draft draft wise? I will say this. Thursday is the draft right and Friday is the press conference and for the first time I'm really feeling it's so much harder to go to chase like that right like <laughs> so we're gonna be I'm sitting there thinking like yo because it's always been downtown and then the year that it wasn't it was downtown Oakland and the year that it wasn't it was you know we, we had a pandemic but so this is gonna be the first time we do draft at chase center. And then turn around. I don't know. Did you go to the uh, Jordan Poole-Nico Manion one last year? Didn't one of y'all go? No.
3: First of all, it wasn't Jordan Poole-Nico Manion. I'm sorry. It was a guy uh, by the name of James.
1: James James Weisman. Yes, I did.
3: It was actually the best in-person access of the entire <laughs> season. What happened before the season. We're he like,
1: got hugs. He got hugs from the Warriors staff. They were so happy to see. Uh, there was definitely the like
3: out. like it was me, like Mark Spears. I'm just, I think Monty Poole was down there. We were There was a very few media members. And they had, you know, it was... We're somewhat. We're kind of emerging from the pandemic, but still not really. Yeah, like
1: we made it. The pandemic's finally over. Or yeah, so but thought. there
3: was like there was definitely. They're like, oh wow, media members to speak to in person. I've never like seen you know people so happy to talk to reporters. Felt like high school reporting days, huh? When they were happy, you
2: showed up. They were like, oh, man, it's good. basically. I was just like plotting that out. Like, oh, okay, we got to. Oh man, you you got to factor in the bridge, all
3: that. That's I do crazy. remember from that press conference when james wiseman came off the stage to talk to sean livingston and he was sitting there chatting with sean livingston a little bit and he was he just like towering over sean livingston and i was like oh that's yeah he's huge you know i i do think we forget sometimes what wiseman if he figures it out could be in the league just because
1: of just like the size speed combo that's a real thing that's a real thing i was just thinking how to artfully say that i i I don't think i'm going to be going to uh don't think i'm going to be going to chase but i wish you guys luck on the journey and uh you know it is uh it is another era it is another era in in the warriors chase to reclaim their glory the thunder offered reportedly uh sga
2: for the number one pick is sga available
3: Do we know, first of all, do we know that Zach Lowe said on his podcast that S.J. is not, he doesn't think he's available.
1: So I I don't know if that offer was actually made. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I'm not
2: dissing whoever put it out there. That's what I'm just saying, reportedly.
1: It's totally one of those things where you think about it if he wasn't being offered for such a thing. But if he's being offered for it, you start thinking, what's wrong with this dude? Like, what's going on? Why are you trying to... (laughs) <laughs> Why are you trying to give up on him? Uh, I thought he was your future. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's uh, I like SGA. I like. him I mean, a lot don't you got to make that call though, just to see if it's real? Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> that's probably the most irritating part for these GMs. A little report come out, and all your all your colleagues are calling like, so what's going on? Like, <laughs> you're like, man, this- I'm sure Sam doesn't mind at all.
3: That doesn't seem like. It.
2: <laughs> Can we get a, a draft pick before we go? I sp- I mostly want Ethan. Moody! About his picks. Moody! So, you feeling, you feeling moody right now?
1: Feeling pretty moody. Maybe I'm you should pretty take a nap. <laughs> so, Moody,
2: seven. Who you got, 14?
1: Uh, fourteen. Uh, nah, Luke Longley swung me, man. I'm all about Giddy. Uh, I, don't I don't think he's there making 14, it. I don't bro. think he's Come making on. it.
2: <laughs> Luke, um, yeah, if Giddy's there at 14, I'm saying go Giddy.
4: <laughs> Go
2: kitty!
1: I'm going yeah.
3: Kuminga and Davion Mitchell. You know, we did a beat writer mock draft uh that's coming out, and that is who I picked because Kuminga was there at seven, and Mitchell was there at fourteen, and that that's that's who I picked, and that'll be like the our last mock draft that's out tomorrow, I think. I think that Kuminga at seven. I think Mitchell goes before 14. I think some teams just going to – like the Spurs at 12 or the Pacers at 13. You know, Rick Carlisle's there now being like, get me this like defensive point guard. So I think at 14, I- I'm guessing Duarte.
1: I'll go Kaminga, and then I'll go Trey. Trey so Luffin. you just off Moody that fast? Like, Yeah. I mean, I didn't know necessarily that we were saying that Kaminga would be there. So if he's there – I'm gonna go Kaminga and then because I didn't get my shooter, then I'm going Trey Murphy. And if he's not there, you're going Moody. Got it. And then I'm going something else later on, later down the road. Yeah, if he's not there, I'm going Book Knight. Book Knight.
2: Let's go. But all of this needs to be cashed in for Kate. Trey include Ethan in the trade package for Kate. Send send Ethan to Detroit.
1: I'll take that sacrifice for the greater good. Maybe
2: we should send Slater who don't who doesn't think uh Cade Cunningham is the number one pick, clearly. So maybe we
3: need to send we need to send Ethan to Detroit to cover the Killian Hayes James Wiseman era in Detroit. <laughs>
1: hey man, what if they get a good pick and roll going? Like don't 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 discount the possibility. The lefty
3: pick and roll that would that be kind of that would be interesting. Next time
2: we you hear from us, you will know the future of the Warriors. Well, maybe not the future, but the direction. How about that?
1: Smile of Geech comes out just geeching all over the place. Kelly Oubre, you're a knockdown shooter. We believe in you.